0: Welcome to Alive and Kickin' the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than Windsor Castle being on fire. Mmm, topical. My name's Ash Rose, your host and your guide on this, what is it? The original 1990s football podcast. And it's a pleasure to welcome you back once again. Ooh, we're getting a bit regular again, aren't we? I didn't promise that because I didn't know. But yes, we seem to have got ourselves onto a nice little schedule at the moment. And we're back for another episode. Where, I mean, I don't know the number. I really should count up how many numbers, but we must be in the 130s now. And a, and a friend of mine said on a WhatsApp feed this week, are you lot still talking about 90s football? And somehow we are. Yes, 130 episodes later, we're still finding things to talk about during the decade that changed football uh, forever. And there's actually more because I've got this, there's areas we actually haven't even gone down yet that I'm trying to plan ahead of schedule and, and get people on. Plus, There's news on a new Alive and Kicking book that may be in the future as well, which could spin off to another section of the podcast as well. Oh, there's loads more to come, but uh, I'll keep you posted if you keep abreft of the Twitter feed. At AEK90s, of course. On today's show then, um, yeah, it's a bit regional, but don't let that put you off. Um, If you're not from the region that we're talking about, you may have seen from the episode title. It's called London Call In. This all came about because we uh, received a new book from the guys at Pitch Publishing called London Films by an author called Mark Walton. And I thought we hadn't really covered some of the London teams in... I won't say long form, because I think we could do even longer on, on individual episodes of, of the London teams. But, there are, you know, we've done bits here on Arsenal, we've done bits here on the top of them, but we've never really talked about them as a whole, as a borough and, the, and London football in the 1990s, unless we're talking about the Evening Standard Fives, OBS, which we, which we do talk about a, a lot on this show. So, yeah, the theme of today is just looking back at uh, summarising, basically, the London clubs in the, the top flight, In the 1990s, now I say that with a big asterisk because we only had so much time on on this show, obviously, so we've gone for the six clubs that were in the top flight the longest, which did mean we slightly missed out on Crystal Palace, so apologies to Palace fans, you do get an honourable mention at the end of the show, Um, but... There was already plans in place to do a long form Palace episode as well as some of the other uh, teams on this. So we will do more Palace. And of course, I'd love to do more Millwall, more Cholton, more Brentford, Fulham. I'm sure there's a London club that I forgot um, to mention on this. But yes, that was the reasoning that we've stuck to the six teams. So it's Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, QPR, West Ham and Wimbledon who spent most of the 90s. QPR are the kind of caveat that, you know, we went down in 1996, so we were the kind of last one. But we were top London club in 1993, so the balance had to be... And I'm biased, clearly, because I'm a QPR fan. But yeah... So we're talking London football. There's my kind of half apology to, to that we couldn't cover anything else. And like I say, I think we'll go long form on these, especially. I really want to do our uh, my, more My 90s episode. If you listen to the one we did on Manchester United with uh, Sam Harwood, I really enjoyed that and I think we'll be trying to do more of those going forward where we take a team, mix in a few flavours so it's not completely team bias but we go long form on their decade. But I think we we come up with some interesting points, interesting thoughts here. It's myself, Joe Young is back after his battle with the horrible, horrible plague. We've got Mark, the author of the book London Fields and YouTuber and presenter James Alcott who... Yeah, disclaimer and warning is a QPR fan as well. So there is a little bit self-indulgent from myself on this, that there's a lot of QPR chat, but I think it fits in within the theme we are talking. Also the conversations we were having, we tried not to go over ball, but hopefully you'll enjoy it. I'm sure you will. It's all 90s, baby. So, you know, it's all good. It's all good in the hood, as they actually used to say in the 90s. And I should not be saying that in 2021. Anyway, I've been told... That these intros are far too long So I will end this intro here And get on with today's show I kind of want to play The Clash Going into this But they're not 90s So I'm not going to Just yeah, play that trailer instead Alright, cheers
1: Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride Through the decade that truly changed The face of football If the 90s are now retro then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the '90s Football Podcast.
0: London call into the faraway towns. Yes, welcome to Alive and Kicking. We are talking today London football, but don't turn off. Don't turn off. If you're not from London, there's plenty to enjoy on today's show. We've even got someone on the show who isn't even from London to give us that outside view. So please stick with us as we count down some of the best, the worst, the highlights, the lowlights, and even an 11 in London football in the 90s, predominantly the six teams who were in the top flight the longest, which has meant there have been some teams we haven't covered, but maybe we'll do part two at some point. During the next few weeks um, but let me welcome today's guest on the show and he's back yay we haven't heard from him in a while back for his first appearance this season this series this year whatever you want to call it he's battled the plague He's Middlesbrough's favourite son he is Joel Young how you doing Joel?
2: Who
1: better to get on to talk about London football than a man from the northeast of England I mean it's really <laughs> wonderful work um yeah but you're yeah al-
0: I, think, I, I think
1: you're right i could chip in with a few Bon mots here and there and uh now i've you're made al- my
0: outside view you're our al- uh, impartial outside view because there's going to be a lot okay. of reality on this uh, as we'll get to uh, in a second um also join us today, two newbies which means we'll get to do some cVs in a minute as well um firstly he is a presenter youtuber you would have seen his stuff across ball Street across the premier League channel as well uh James Alcock,
2: qPR fan welcome to alive and Kickin'. I can't believe we got two of the two QPR fans in the <laughs> same podcast. This is bizarre. Last
1: time happy. I was on it was two bloody QPR fans as well. Oh,
2: it's great. Uh, this is it's lovely. Cool. I'm really looking forward to it. And I've seen it in, in your background, Ash. I can s- straight away just seeing those QPR players in the back left <laughs> over your shoulder. So uh, no, I'm looking forward to this It's great. I'm looking for classic
0: classic bobbleheads from the day they are yeah classic. Ray Wilkins although it looks like Jack Nicholson it's a it's not the best likeness of Super Ray um also joining us and kind of the reason we we brought this subject to to the pier this morning um is author of a brand new book which we'll get to in a second uh Mr Mark Walden how you doing Mark yeah not bad
3: thanks Ash Uh, thanks for having me on um I'm looking forward to the chat the London based chat
0: yeah definitely well that that's let get straight into it, why we decided to come to this theme? You just recently uh, released a new book through Pitch Publishing and it's called London Fields. Do the cheap plug for us. Tell us a little bit about the book and where people can, can get hold of it.
3: Yeah, it's uh, an intimate history of London football fandom and it celebrates us, really, the fans. Um, our turbulent rivalries and sometimes our um, fraternal uh, friendships, um, if there is such a thing, uh, in local derbies. <laughs> but yeah. Um, get it in all usual outlets, it's available on Pitch, uh, from Pitch Publishing, and get it on Amazon, um, Waterstones, all your usual places.
0: Good stuff, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do another plug at the end, but definitely, the- so we thought we'd use that theme and go, as we always do and here, deep into the 90s on London football. Before we do that though, sticking with you Mark then, we'll do our uh, football CVs as we like to call them, our 90s CVs, uh, when we get fans to talk about their fandom, so mark for you your favorite Tottenham player of the 1990s
3: sure um so favorite 90s um not many to choose from because it was a decade for Spurs um but uh, a person who a player who lit up a very drab White Hart Lane was, was David Ginola oh. um the beautiful man that is so yeah he's my favorite <laughs> Spurs player of the 90s
0: yeah I mean kind of a sort of People always associate him with Newcastle, but his his spell at Spurs was for that goal against it Barnsley in the FA Cup, isn't it? I always remember, and and he was Player of the Year in 1999. Mm. Which he was
3: Ferguson, in a year that where May United won the treble.
0: Yeah, a, a, a mediocre Spurs team provides the Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah, I think Alex Ferguson was quite unhappy about that, probably rightfully so. But no, big. I was a big fan of Janela as well, so good choice. Um, outside of Whitehall Lane, then, who would be your uh, favourite player in the nineties? Um. What?
2: London,
1: <laughs>
3: London, a London player. Um, do you know what I have to say? Um, a memorable player. I hated him at the time, but I look back fondly. It was it was Ian Wright? Oh, okay, interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I can't
3: honestly say that he was a favourite of mine at all. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, I sort of stood shaking my fist at him and. Um, and well, uh, many other things uh, during the 90s, but um, looking back with a, with a degree of nostalgia and through rose-tinted glasses, yeah, righty. And I, I think if I, if I was a gooner, then um, righty'd be right up there,
0: yeah, for sure. Now, we, we did a whole podcast on Ian Wright uh, the back end of last year when he was on I'm Last Year, or maybe even the year before. Um, on I'm a Celebrity when he was on that. And we, we cashed in on that a little bit and uh, we did a whole episode. But yeah, Ian Wright, perfect then. Um, we've lost Joel for the moment. I should say at the top of the show in a full lockdown quirk. He was waiting for his sofa to <laughs> arrive. And I think it may have just arrived because he's just logged off and we had some. you might have heard some background hours there. So hopefully he'll log back on at some point to give us some some of his usual flavour. But uh, James, I'll speak to you then. I'm obviously very interested in this. Um, mm. Your favourite player, I mean, is he an obvious one for QPR fans? Favourite QPR player of the 90s?
2: No, after, it'd be, it'd be a, probably a bit of a surprise for a lot of people. A lot of people won't even know this, this name. But yeah, my, my first season watching football was 92, 93 which was an amazing season for QPR. And, um, and, and it just kind of went downhill after that, as you know, Mark. But, uh, but it was a good start. And uh, there was a player who, as a like, sort of five-year-old, six-year-old, I was just a bit obsessed with um, because of two things. One, the facial hair that this man had, but also the way that he celebrated goals. And that player was Gary Penrice. Classic. So Gary Penrose was a player, I think he came from Bristol Rovers and then went to went to QPR and was was a really good goal scorer. I think he played for Aston Villa as well. But he, what I loved about him as a as a kid was he, yeah, he would score a goal, but he would he would always leather it. He would never pass the ball into the net. And then he would always run into the crowd. So that normally to the right of the goal, go into the crowd and then make his way back out. And then he had this beautiful moustache. Whereas, you know, again, I was just sort of, confused by it i think slightly but also just he looked different you know and so i just loved gary penrice for the couple of seasons that he he was there so he was my favorite that was my my first email address was penrice 10 (laughs) (laughs) i loved gary penrice yeah yeah i love
0: that yeah great corinthian figure gary penrice one Mm. of the best because of the tash and stuff can't get
2: that wrong can you You amount of those (laughs) corinthian figures that are wrong um i was looking at the euro 96 was the other day and steve howie i was just like who yeah. is that for yeah. ages but gary Penrose, you're not getting that one wrong yeah no, it's a great figure
0: although when said dykstra signed for qpr a couple of seasons later, <laughs>
2: yeah right there, yeah there was some trouble because
0: they kind of looked very similar <laughs> yeah.
2: With- yeah fortunately he's a goalkeeper though yeah. i guess like, get away with, with the okay, kit yeah a
0: plus but yeah no gary penrush mm. yeah great little strike I, I remember when you said about going get the crowd i was at i remember a game against tottenham I think he did it once and then scored again and thought better of it. I think I've heard it on the season video. So obviously something happened. Maybe got too many slaps on the back of the head. I don't know. Something like that. But yeah, I think he's a name that people will go, Oh, is this the days before you'd be booked for such a thing?
2: Oh God, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that Spurs game, I think it was a 4-1 win. Yeah, it was. Um, Yeah, and uh, you know Spurs in that amazing yellow kit, kit. Holston kit, and yeah, he's I think he scored two in that in that game, and yeah, that's I think that season review as well. You know, my first my first season, but also probably my first video as well. That season review, so you end up watching it again and again. I think he scored about nine or ten that season, and uh, yeah, just loved his uh, celebration. Yeah,
0: totally. Um, Outside, very esoteric choice, Gary Penrice. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. our fans, we love our little obscure number, you know, obscure strikers. We'll talk about a few of them later, I'm sure we will. Um, outside of Loftus Road there, James, who would you say is uh, your favourite player of, of the, that decade?
2: Well, So I think the thing that I, the players that I loved, I loved captains. So I loved likes of uh, Tony Adams and I loved Stuart Pearce, of course, through Euro 96. And you still can't see that clip without wanting to cry, to be honest. Um, but the, the one that kind of floated to the top for me, bizarrely, was Colin Hendry. Okay, and and the reason I went with Colin, Hendry, I kind of oh. let my gut decide at the end yeah. of it. I just thought he was just, just an incredible leader. Again, you know, quite um, recognisable with the hair, and and yeah. I was sort of, I'm half Scottish, so um, I sort of you know players that played in Euro '96 or uh, the World Cup in '98, Colin Hendry was huge for them, and I think Blackburn Rovers as well. I think he was absolutely massive for them, and gets forgotten about a lot of the time when people talk about that that championship winning team. You, you concentrate on the you know, Sherwood's and the the wingers and of course the SAS, but, but Colin Hendry was, was so integral for that team. That was, that was gently bottling that season. Um, yeah. And he sort of kept them. I felt like he kept them afloat with some of the appearances that, that he made and the performances that he had just an unbelievable leader. And I think I was, yeah, I was always kind of attracted to those kind of players and he was the sort of so just a proper brave heart, wasn't he? He was just. Yeah, a,
3: unfortunately, a, as time goes on, memory, our memories are distilled. My my sole memory really of of Hendry is him getting done by Gaza.
2: Yeah, sure. You know, yeah, the, I was the, at that that game at yeah. Wembley? Yeah, I was at yeah, that so game? I really, ought,
3: I, I really, ought to expand. Uh, I ought to go back into the archives a bit more for for Hendry.
2: I think. Yeah, but, it's yeah. funny, isn't it? That's the beauty of this bo- uh, podcast. I, I'm guessing is you know is is that those little those little things that just sort of stay in here for me. I, for me, it's a it's a match of the day watching match of the day. And he'd had a performance, and it must have been around March or something. And he, he I think he scored a 1 0 win. It was some sort of bullet header where he might have got cut at the same time. And and it was obviously just like all those, that substance that you want from your captain and you were allowed to have from your captain back in those days. I just thought, yeah, he had it in, in leaps and bounds, but he get, did get done by Gazza. <laughs> that's true. That's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no,
3: granite jawed and, and and a, and a sport in a lovely mullet. That, that, yeah. That's mm. uh, the other <laughs> we'll thing to remember. Hideous
0: lovely corinthian figure yeah. again he's got a great <laughs> corinthian figure from his scotland days um, and he's been on this podcast as well and he speaks quite openly wow. about being done by gaza um yeah yeah and that famous game as well so he, he owns up to you know the genius that was paul Gascoigne in in that moment so yeah not a name we've had a lot james i admit in our sort of Good. you know you have your in your shearers your burkham's but you know i'm all the 90s are about players like colin Hendry. definitely Sick. we did a in our last episode we did the quintessential 90s 11 um, <laughs> nice. a, a name came up. I think in the end, the back four we went to Paul Woolhurst and Philip Albert for the, for the for different reasons, different attributes. But yeah, we talked mm. about the leader role that you don't quite see—the blood and thunder guts type player. That the modern game is a different type because the Jack games obviously changed. But yeah, mm. Colin Henry. I didn't think we was going to get a shout on London football. So that, that's a, that's <laughs> a good start. That's a good start for us today. Um, what we thought we'd do then, obviously, we could do an episode on each of these clubs, and we probably will do it at some point. Um, But we thought we'd just skim over and have a summary of each London team. And then at the end, we've all picked an 11 because I know everybody loves picking an 11 for whatever reason. Uh, So we've we've kept it to the top flight. So there's six clubs that were pretty much in the top flight for most of the decade. I'll I'll say that loosely when it comes to KPR because they were probably the least. But We've got QPR fans, so I'm using artistic license to to cover them. And '92-'93, as James already said, was a very successful uh, season for the club. But let's start in North London. Then um, I guess we have to start with Arsenal because, as much as to the chagrin probably of Mark, they were the the be- the most you know, the best London club of the decade. If you look at their finishing, they were top London club in all but two of the seasons during the 1990s. I mean, Mark, you mentioned brighty already, um, but how do you remember that rivalry? I'm sure you've talked through it in your book as well. How do you remember that rivalry, especially in the nineties between what was most of the time a Tottenham side looking for their place and an, against an Arsenal team who two championships, an FA cup, you know, a cup winners cup. How was that? Well,
3: um, they began the decade winning trophies yeah. and they ended the decade winning trophies. However, um, in the beginning, they, they carried on in the sort of George Graham, dour, pragmatic, 1-0 to the Arsenal style. And they ended the decade in, with this kind of new um, elan, this kind of like a continent of v- vibrancy that was brought in under Wenger. And what happened was that sort of dip in the middle that gave rise to Wenger. Um, sort of the interregnum reign of Bruce Reeok, yeah. um, which saw them kind of like plummet down the table and brought in Wenger. Um, we, I guess as a Spurs fan we're used to Arsenal winning trophies um, but I was happy that they are doing it in a, in a sort of very dour, pragmatic way because that was their style mm. when they bought in Wenger, I mean, my all my nightmares sort of came, came to fruition um, they were winning trophies but in a style that was kind of like associated to Tottenham or I thought was associated to Tottenham so yeah, it was galling um, but I'm sure, I, I was friends with many gooners, I still am friends with some gooners and the 90s was great for them.
0: Yeah, it was. James, it really much, as, as Mark said there, it really much was like a, a decade or two halves, wasn't it? Because you had the George Graham era that was very much, if you look at it now, very of its time. The 1-0 to the Arsenal, the mm. famous back four. And then, as Mark alluded to, uh, you know, Arson who came in in 1996. That man from Japan, as Alex Ferguson famously said, and completely not just changed Arsenal's ethos, but the football in general.
2: Yeah, I think there are, there are those certain figures along the way that do change the landscape of of football, and, and Arsene Wenger is is one of those. I think there's a lot of talk about Guardiola now in terms of the the you know style of play, but a lot of the broader points in terms of nutrition and uh, as well as as well as on the pitch, you know, Wenger kind of brought that with Arsenal. For me, is I, I guess if you are a Spurs fan, it must have been torture because when I was thinking about Arsenal in the '90s, I kind of forget that. That 97 98 team, a little bit. Maybe it's just because a little bit later on. I'm, I think about, um, I remember watching the, the Cup Winners' Cup that, like, you know, year after year, that they're the, sort of run into the final in both years and that Naeem goal, which was just like, what is going on here? Like, I was just so confused by that. Well,
3: I think that speaks volumes about Tottenham's place in North London rivalry in the 90s that we celebrated Naeem's goal for Zaragoza. Yeah. You know, that's all we had to celebrate at the time.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, and and but but that, and and the team as well, because it wasn't a good team in the mid nineties. It really wasn't. It was it was Ian Wright and a good back four. But apart from that, yeah. it wasn't. It was you know the midfield was very poor. They didn't score many goals. The percentage of goals that Ian Wright scored for that team, they didn't have Ian Wright. If Ian Wright had got you know done his knee or whatever it had been. They would have been they would have been in real trouble, I think, because they didn't apart from that, they didn't have that much, that much quality really, until I guess you get to 95 and Burkamp comes through the door and, and then and then Venger, you know, and the, the French contingent came through as well. And and then they were a di- completely different team with the best bits from from previous. But yeah, I guess that, that's the heartbreak for um for a Spurs fan is that you know in probably their worst three seasons in that decade, they won the FA Cup, the League Cup, Cup Winners Cup. And and got to another final as well. It's amazing, really.
0: Yeah, they yeah. their lowest position was twelfth, which was in ninety four, ninety five, which was just around the, the Bruce, which is kind of you didn't. I didn't think they'd gone that low when I was looking at that this morning, but they did. You know, below, you know, bottom half of the table, which is quite surprising when it comes to that. But you're right, James. I think it was you know the signing of Burcum, who I've said ad nauseum on this podcast. For me, is the best import that the Premier League has ever seen, just in terms of what he did for the game and the sort of player that he was. That I don't think. I've ever seen since as such a unique player, Dennis Bergkamp. Mm. the goals that he could score.
2: Longevity uh, as well, right?
0: And Yeah, longevity into the next decade as well. And then obviously you yeah. had, had Ryan Burkham that went into Ryan Omri, which took them onto a new stratosphere unbeaten for the Invincibles and stuff. I mean, Mark, a player like Burkamp, I know from Tottenham point of view, it's still hard to look on and, and appreciate well, how good he was and then how good that, that 98 team was with Vieira who came in, Mark Overmars, who had very little time in the Premier League, but such an impact. Do it? Was it hard to, to not appreciate how good they were?
3: It's, it's difficult to stomach at the time, but it's not hard to appreciate. I mean, a player with Bergkamp's uh, abilities, it was just... it was. It's a joy to look back on what, some of what Bergkamp did. I mean, I prefer to see it in an orange shirt of Holland, but still. <laughs> um, there's, there was a rumour that he was actually a Spurs fan. Mm-hmm. Um, And game. who can yeah. forget? I mean, amongst many of Alan um, Sugar's foibles and sillier moments, when Spurs signed Chris Armstrong, he kind of, kind of said, "Well, Arsenal, I've got this Dennis Bergkamp, but we've got Chris Armstrong." I mean, <laughs> w- w- goes on the list of ridiculous uh, <laughs> and uh, forgettable Alan um, Sugar quotes. But yeah, uh, you're right. I think you, just, I think you just alluded to him, a player not seen. Since, uh, again, uh, since, since or again, um, in the, he sort of ghosted into the classic number 10 positions, um, linked the middle, set runners going, allowed his, open things up for his strike partner. Yeah, incredible player.
0: Yeah, he really was. I mean,
3: he, he, I'm sure if you, look, if you ask Ian Wright and uh, Thierry that the, the, the chances created for both those players by Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah, yeah innumerable.
0: I thought uh, what we would do in each team, and I'll, I'll go to the guys in a second on this, is kind of pick out a highlight and a low light from the, each team's decade. So, James, what would you say? I mean, they've got a lot to pick from, really, when, you, when we've been through it quickly there, especially the two championship wins at the two ends of the decade. But what would, our, would you think, from an Arsenal point of view, was the highlight of their decade?
2: It came to me straight away, and I think it's a, it's it's just one of my favourite clips to ever watch. Full stop. When it comes to football, and it's it's the four 0 game. It's Tony Adams running through. It's I still don't know the truth, and I don't know if I ever want to meet him and ask him. But when he when he hits that volley, and the sun hits him, and he looks to the heavens and closes his eyes. I don't know if that's the sun or if that's just the glory like washing over him. Uh, you know, just talking about it, you know, it makes me sort of makes the hairs stand up. I, I think it's you know for what he had been through, um, you know, great book that he's he. I just I think I'd read that recently before that. You know, and him at Euro Night Six and all of that. For him to go, um, effort. I'm I'm going I'm going for a goal, Steve. Because see if you can find me. And Steve Bowl plays that pass, and he's with that left foot, left foot, bang. bang! Unbelievable! What a moment for him in his career. And um, you know, you, you you should have retired then. Just call it a day. and That's a but I think that's, you know, for, to, to get that and to get the, you know, to get that Premier League title, unbelievable for Arsenal.
0: Yeah, definitely was. And a piece of commentary that's gone into the folklore from, from Martin Tyler as well, along with his Aguero moment. Um, on the flip side, then, Mark, I'll, I'll let you do this and, and revel slightly in, the, in their low. Light. I mean, there wasn't many, as we've just said, for, for Arsenal, but Wrexham maybe, or was it the Bruce Riog Bruce era? Um... Yeah, I,
3: I guess. I mean, I, I've mentioned Zaragoza already. That was a particular Tottenham highlight. But um, I think, in general, it was the Bruce Rioch era. Um, if ever there was a, a, a poor or, or poorly judged appointment, it was Bruce Rioch. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'd like to like him to have stayed, um, but the football was played, and there's sort of the stink around the place. I think, uh, and it, you know, it 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 might just been it might just been a, a clash of personalities. Um, I'm sure Bruce Rioch. A, a lovely man, or was a lovely man, but um, it didn't work for us all the time and uh, that was a particular low point,
0: I think. It did work for him at, at QPR as well, but we'll talk about that. Um, okay. um, that's that's sticking off London then and this is an, a slightly easier one for you, Mark. Um, although, as we've already said, the 90s really weren't... They were, they were headline acts for Tottenham. There are plenty of newsworthy moments for Tottenham, but in terms of success, it really was a decade of, never quite getting to where they might well have should have been. Is that fair to say?
3: Absolutely correct, yeah. Um, They started the the decade with a trophy and ended the decade with a trophy, but in between. I mean, the rot really set in and um, the sort of struggles that Spurs have still got now, all these years on, were as a result of what happened in the 90s and and the, the Sky Revolution and Spurs being stuck in high court battles um, between Sugar and Venables and never really while the other Premier League teams really some really kicked on uh, grasped the Mantle expanded their stadiums bought in a lot of foreign players um, and just saw um, saw it as an opportunity I think Spurs were mired in so much backroom fighting and um, kind of chaos that it took a long time to, to to get going and they're still paying the price now so um uh, yeah, and there was some and added to that, there were some terrible signings. Terrible players. We had you could do I could do endless Spurs elevens from the nineties that are just shocking. <laughs> I mean Paolo Tramazzani. Wow, there's uh, no. Ramon Vega, Jason Dazell,
2: Alan Nielsen. <laughs> Ramon uh, Vega's the uh, Ramon Vega's the only player to be voted the worst ever player for two clubs. <laughs> Watford <laughs> and Spurs. <laughs> who sorry, who was the first one? Ramon yeah. Vega. Uh, Watford. Oh, I think. Oh, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, that's quite a low bar. Um, Sorry, yeah. what for
3: fans, but yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, he had a tough time. He yeah, pitched Bo- a few of our players. <laughs> was Andy Booth in the 90s or was that?
3: Yeah.
0: The-
3: I think, the, I think he was just in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, it was a panic buy and he played a t- couple of times. That yeah, was, was always the like- Gary Doherty era, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, it was really yes. bad signing. The Huddersfield zone, Andy Booth, leaving Huddersfield for a while and going to London. That was a, a really random. But James, yeah, you're right. They, uh they tend to like, it's that left-hand side for a while of Clive Wilson and Andy Sinton, as mm. Joe Francis tried to replicate what he'd done at Loftus Road. I and mean, that, that was a shame. That never really happened at, at, at Whitehall Lane, did it, Mark?
3: No. Uh, there were other uh, moments of um, not brightness, I suppose. I mean, when it when Aussie's football worked, it was a joy to behold. Um, the Cavalier kind of like leaving one at the back and everyone charging forward. Um. Uh, a couple of cut runs, yeah. Um, and some individual signings. I mean Teddy was Teddy was a shining light. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned Janello already, and then they they kind of pulled the rabbit from the hat with Klinsman.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, that's what I was going to come on to as well, James. I mean Klinsman was the one. I remember that as a kid. Like like Jurgen Klinsman is signing for Tottenham. And and it wasn't that he's signing for Tottenham, the fact that he was even playing in England at the time, it was unheard of to get somebody, yes, slightly at the end of his career, but he'd just come off the back of the ninety-four World Cup. It was such a an amazing moment for the Premier League to get Klinsmann and what season he had.
2: He had, he had a, an amazing season. And I think yeah, I remember that, I think Spurs finished just above us that, that year and, and Klinsmann scored, what was it, 20-odd goals. He was, it was, I mean, does it really is, that the Klinsmann's a great uh, signing to kind of highlight, you know, a player that, you know, was unbelievable in the Premier League uh, in that season and obviously came back a little bit later down the line. He was even older, but um but it, it it highlights kind of where the Premier League was at that moment because it it like you say Ash it was still it was still a really big moment it was like what's he doing here <laughs> kind of thing yeah. um, and then of course you know the Clincus celebration you know that happens once and then we're all doing it. Uh, on our, on our Saturdays and Sundays, and our, for our different teams, yeah, I think he was he was one of the shining lights. Him, like you say, I think him and sharing him, I think go, him sharing him with Ginola. and I think after that you sort of you're starting to struggle. Maybe like to so Darren Anderson, who got you know just had his problems with injuries at times, but I, I think even so, still wasn't as much of a talisman as as those three that I previously said. Yeah, a weird, a weird, maybe one of the worst decades Spurs have ever had. Is it? you know you know from going from the 50s onwards i guess
3: yeah there was a relegation battle towards the end as well where i think clinsman came back for his second season and yeah. just about saved spurs he scored four um, in a
0: game or yeah. something yeah. yeah
3: yeah at, at, at wembley yeah
0: yeah, it, was a, it wasn't a, a memorable decade, as James said. Um, the, I think the moment that always sticks out with me, and, and you'll probably cringe, Mark, as well, is the bus pass, for, or tube pass, was it? Sorry. Oh, don't. When yeah. they got Christian Gross appointed, which I, I think they were going the Wenger route, obviously, and yeah. got the very light version, very, very light version. No disrespect to Christian Gross um, of Arsene Wenger, and he turned up with his tube pass. Um, is that... You know the term spursy gets thrown around far too much on social media, but if you're going to say something is quite spursy I think that is kind of it, isn't it? That kind of moment in the '90s.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head, Ash, with this kind of, you know, they got Arsene Wenger, we'll go and get Christian Gross. It's a bit like, like I said earlier, we've they've got Dennis Bergkamp, we'll get Chris Armstrong. You know, it's forever making pratfalls and mistakes um, and never really learning from them. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's. You, the overused term "Spursy," albeit at times it's deserved, I think I guess it sort of came to light in the 90s, yeah.
0: Go on then, pick a, pick, pick a highlight for us then. What would be the highlight of the 90s for Spurs, Mark?
3: Um, I'm going for very early 90s. Um, so, 91, Cup semi-final, Gascoigne. Um, he is, you know, schoolboy's own stuff. Um, so, 3-1, yeah, it was my favourite game. It remains my favourite game to this day. Um an incredible day out um, that I'll never forget.
0: It's a great game, but I always had the caveat against it that it began the trend of having FA Cup semi-finals at Wembley, which is like one of my bugbears of modern football that they shouldn't be at Wembley. They should be at Villa Park. They should be at, well, they should be the Emirates or Old Trafford. But yeah, that I mean that was fitting at the time, and they had the Sheffield Derby, didn't they? They had it at the same. They had it at Wembley as well, but that began that trend, which I, I cannot stand. Um, I would I would I think it's more I think prevalent for you to pick the low light as well because me and James will come from a different point of view. So I mean I mean there were many, Mark. What was what was the low light? What was the proper bottom part of the of Spurs' 1990s?
3: I think um something I'd probably try to banish from my memory, uh, that you've just brought up, and it's the brandishing of the travel cars. <laughs> um that really does represent uh, a low point for Spurs.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was a yeah. I think I'm trying to think what I think. I think a great kit one. I think of Spurs. James mentioned that one earlier, the yellow one. But I loved the purple one, the um,
2: memorial. Pony yeah. one from the low yeah. light. Like. Oh yeah, wow. <laughs> how how
3: about having how about having two London clubs, one based in the East End, um, kind of, sponsored by Pony? You know, given all the connotations
0: with uh, rhyming slang.
2: Unbelievable.
0: Uh, classic. Only happened in the 90s that. For me, that's yeah, what I, think. I always like that blue Tottenham had one had as well. It kind of had Spurs written in it in like a almost. Oh yeah, yeah. I only wore it a couple of times. Away at Newcastle, I think it was. I think I remember Sheringham wearing it. But uh, another classic kit. We should mention Arsenal as well, where we didn't talk about kits. Obviously, Bruce Banana, the great mm. blue lightning kit, which is one of my favourite kits of all time as well. Um, well, that's North London covered. Um, James, should we talk a bit of west? let's
2: go west yeah let's go let's west, go west.
0: Like, the let's most west. west the only yeah. west london. yeah
2: not not middlesex west yeah not
0: middlesex <laughs> west not, <laughs> yeah, not south right. west we'll get there in a minute but proper west london um it's a funny old decade for creepy r and us isn't it really because it started off as a you know we're a quite fashionable team we had 92 93 where we were top london club for above all the likes we'll talk about and we have talked about.
2: Mm, Liverpool as well. Probably, Liverpool
0: yes. as well, of course, yeah. Um, I've still got the flag somewhere in, in my other office that's got top London club, 1993 on it, so it's a bit faded. Um, and then Les and went mid-decade, and we everything went a bit pear and continued to get quite pear by the end of the decade, uh, for the want of a better <laughs> phrase. Yes. What, what are your memories? Let's talk the good first. I mean, 92, 93, you know, Ferdy up front, Super A in the middle, Alan McDonald, and Danny Mannix at the back, Barsley and Will, I mean, it's such an underrated team, but such an achievement for that team to finish so high in the league.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, like I say, my first season of football, I think stunning team for me, you know, like you say, Wilson, how did he not get capped by England at that, that period of time? Ridiculous. Disgraceful, to be honest, especially with the other left-backs that were knocking about at that, at that time. Barsley, who did, he was in the PFA team of the year, 1993. Um, and and for me, people are kind of laugh, and I'm almost at this stage. You know, they say uh, you know, do I have a YouTube channel and, and talk to people, and and uh, I've always had a bit of a baby face, so people don't realise j- just how old I am. So I when I then talk about players like Ray Wilkins <laughs> and one of my good friends is a Stoke fan. He loves talking. He loves me talking about Ray Wilkins because he was, I think, he was born in 19. 19- 56 or something like that which is there's nothing wrong with that but but when you're talking about yeah. players now that were born in 1994 or, or 2000 or whatever it is for me to be watching a player who's one of my favorite players of all time and for him to be <laughs> born at that age it, is, is strange but he was wonderful you know and as someone who wanted to play center midfield and um me and my dad both had no pace even at like even even as a seven-year-old kid it became something else. It came about like, how else can you be a good footballer? And it was about vision. And, and that's those are the players I'm obsessed with a lot of the time. And Ray Wilkins in that midfield, having Holloway to do his running or Simon Barker to do his running. Wilkins was able to be him and just be a wonderful player. And some of the passes that you see, even in a season review, some of the goals, he scored a lob against Wimbledon. He scored a screamer against Liverpool the season after. Just like uh, just amazing, likable players. I think a really a clearly likable team that played good football, didn't just hit it long, um, and then you know the, the the jewel in the crown up top in terms of Les, who I don't think I realised just how how lucky you are to have a striker like that because you know guaranteeing twenty goals a season, and that takes you from being a team that gets relegated to being a team that's completely fine and and, and mid table and and allows. Uh, a lot less pressure on players like Kevin Gallen and Danny dicchio that were sort of kids and, and who were prolific at youth level but it's still difficult to kind of um, to pop up into the Premier League and then and then take the burden of it all and and uh, he was he was amazing I think there was a week in that 92-93 season I think he scored back-to-back hat-tricks and then another goal I think he might have scored seven goals in, yeah. in, in, in Forest, like three the, games or something Forest
0: at home because it was one of my first games um, and yeah. away on the Easter Monday
2: I think it was that's it. Um, and then I think got one for Kate Sleeds as well. So, yeah, so like, uh, just a really good team. And it seemed like a lot of good people um, as well, which I know sounds strange maybe, but um, I love that about them. And that kit, I mean, that 92-93 kit is the one. Uh, it's I know people like the Guinness one. No, nah, not for me. Like, this supposed my clubhouse. <laughs>
3: is this, is this, are we talking the Brooks one, the slightly lighter blue? Yeah. yeah. So
2: and so it probably is the Brooks one, isn't it? But I guess for me, I, I missed Brooks. I missed the Brooks one. So I, I've got it when they've they plastered over a classic FM over the top with the yeah. with the leftover kit from before. I think you got a
0: rid of Brooks there and put Rangers Clubhouse instead, which was our in-house brand. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, I yeah. didn't know
2: that. Yeah. Wow,
0: brand at the time, which I believe very little change from
2: the Brooks yet.
3: But James and said, the fact that they went, the fact that they went to Classic FM just highlights the cerebral nature of uh, Rangers fans, I guess.
2: Yeah, well, Inti- of course, indeed,
0: classic sponsor. I'm glad you mentioned well, James, the Guinness kit, because I get sick to death of the Guinness kit. Because again, I'm not from that yeah, era. Not, like, yeah, I, I mean, I'll say it quietly. I don't even like red on a QPR kit,
2: particularly. I don't. Do you know, I said that. I, I did. Uh, this is really weird, but I um, I play football manager uh, and I stream it. And there, there was a tournament, and I got given a kit. And they whoever made it, it was beautiful. and It, it was a QPR kit, but it did have red on it. And I was a part of me wanted to go. Could you just, <laughs> you just take the red yeah. off? Yeah. We're not ready. Like, <laughs> get, get it <laughs> yeah, off. But no, I, no, right. it didn't.
0: Give me the uh, the uh, fluoro piping from 1990. There, that, that was my favorite. Um,
2: yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm
0: absolutely with you, Joe. Um, you've we've got joined back to the pie from Mr. Joe Young. You've missed Arsenal and Tottenham. We're just. Oh. Thinking, uh, Did you
1: discuss uh, Arsenal one, Middlesbrough one when uh, uh, former yeah. Tottenham and Nick Barnby scored to take the lead? At, uh, Arsenal before Ian Wright pulled it back for one. Or Bruce Rio's first game, the forgotten man of Arsenal managers. Yeah.
0: We did. We mentioned Bruce Rio. Sadly, that game didn't actually come into any of our minds. Surprisingly. Oh,
1: okay. Well.
0: There you go. We are talking kits, though. You're a man of Adidas. We we're just talking about the Guinness kit. I bet you're a fan. Me and James aren't quite the fan of the Guinness kit. How, I bet you love a bit of that kit. You know,
1: I love the Guinness kit. I always say about that, it's the only QPR kit to feature in a one video true
2: that's true yeah yeah
1: oh, come I mean on. that's the one that's, a lot. that's the earlier one right, but, um, right you know that was whatever that was 1985 for freedom i suppose 1986 yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit early for us but uh yeah yeah oh the, yeah the idea Naskin asking his kids great yeah think, well, wonderful
0: items. we haven't got your view on, on rangers yet how how do you view rangers in the 90s from a sort of north london point of view what were your view on, on the club both what the season we were talking about in 92 93 and then kind of onwards when it went a bit dark, which me and James will sadly talk about in a second.
3: Yeah, well, as alluded to, um, London's top team in the, in the inaugural Premier League season. Um, favourite memory, standout memory that time, was the, was the 4-1 away at Old Trafford. Was that that season? Season before. Right, OK. But yeah, so that's a, that's, a, that's a great memory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What I think, so my, my image of QPR around that time was a lot of players, some of which have been mentioned, Clive uh, Wilson, Danny Maddox, Andy Sinton, Bradley Allen, that were kind of stars with QPR that didn't really, get, when, they were, when they moved on, just kind of the careers faltered yeah. or didn't, didn't they actually did at QPR, which probably says a lot about QPR, mm-hmm. a lot of good about QPR. Um, they did have a kind of nice ethos around them. Uh, Ray Wilkins is the, sort of, the grand old man. Um, and it's some great stories about Walkins nurturing and bringing through younger kids uh, from the youth team, going to him for advice and him dispensing advice. And yeah, great. Um, QPR sounds like a very, very well-run, um, lovely club to be involved in in the 90s. Um, obviously, in this century, it becomes some, something of a basket case. But... Um, <laughs> But in the 90s, yeah, great, great, great side.
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, James, as we'll talk about in a second, it, I mean, towards the end of the decade, it, it didn't go so well. Um, You know, we for, it was a, a selection of wrong decisions. You know, the money on the when he was sold in, in the mid-90s, went on players not good enough. You know, Ned yeah. Zellick is a name that... That was the-,
1: the one I was just about to say was yeah. Ned I always talk about him. He was as versatile as an egg, according to Ray Wilkins. But yeah. unfortunately, he just <laughs> scrambled and... <laughs> <laughs> any other sort of uh, his head was fried any other sort of egg puns you want to come out with
2: yeah um, yeah, the one, yeah he was a funny one
0: he's a funny he was one so, Osborne um, he was again another one who came and yeah. very
2: quick. Charles Gregory Goodridge yeah Mark Hately who I you know oh.
0: I cringe when I you know we've had a lot of Mark Hately talking here because friend of the show Sid Lambert's a big Mark Hately fan and
1: mm. our friend Mark Hately yeah
0: and who we met actually yeah at the live show and I had to be very Professional and not say why were you so rubbish a lot, yeah. Work? But <laughs> it's funny
2: because I was a, I was a runner, um, for a company called Al Jazeera Sport, uh, at the start of my career, and I was a runner for Mark. And and you, you know, obviously, you're bursting just to talk to all of these guys about about football. And so, when Mark's there, I kind of, I think at one point I brought up QPR, and and you saw him, you go, you just sort of tensed <laughs> up. So, I was like, let's 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 it's just okay. move on. Let's yeah, yeah okay. no, no, it
0: wasn't a good time, and then towards obviously, before the end of the day, you saw. Stuart Houston, become manager, who only proper managerial appointment. He was obviously assistant to George Graham for a long time. Then Bruce Vriok. And then Bruce Vriok became his assistant, which I can't imagine was the most ideal situation, going from the other way around. And and then Ray Harford didn't work out. I mean, James, it just, it seems to be wrong decision after wrong decision towards the end of the 90s. And then by 99, the following season, we were obviously the worst we've been in both our lifetimes in in the third tier of English football. But it, it wasn't it was it was such a depressing time after such such high as well mm. I'm like yeah as kid in the playground who was supporting the top london club in the country to being staring the third tier in the face it was it was such
2: a different time wasn't it it was it was it was really difficult and really confusing <laughs> like when you know and <laughs> uh, and because and it was you know now in hindsight you you can you can you could see it so clearly that the use of the money was terrible absolutely terrible um in terms of 6 million which was such a lot of money you know i remember and we were linked with Baggio. Sign him. Get it done. <laughs> we've got yeah. Baggio. We're fine. Um, but uh, I remember coming. I was coming on a plane. I was on a plane back from Mallorca from holiday, and I was like, "What is this that I'm reading? I couldn't <laughs> get my head around it." Uh, but of course, we didn't spend that money on him. And yeah, and and I think it's just something that actually a lot of teams see now in the in the championship where they move down to the championship. They have a bit of money, but they're almost a bit gluttonous with it and don't use it properly. And and, and Mike Sheeran, I think, is an example of that yeah. where. We signed a player. We made some good signings initially, like Sir John Spencer, Gavin Peacock, really good signings for us. Um, but then, but then, spending the kind of money that we did on someone like Mike Sheeran, who, who had a bit of a pedigree, but came yeah. to us and was terrible, was honestly useless. Um, <laughs> it, it was just too much for us. And then after that, we, you know, it got to a point where we clearly didn't have any money, full stop. Uh, and then we got ourselves in, in in deep trouble, and it had to get even worse before it got better, didn't it? Yeah.
0: We did, yeah. I loved John Spencer, absolutely loved yeah, him. It was, up this road. It, was, it was a great player, definitely great player. Um, Rob Steiner is another one from that late 90s who I love <laughs> as well. He's a Gary Penrose for the later decade.
2: So, yeah, didn't uh, he nut someone at Fulham or
0: something? Yeah, yeah, well, according to Rob Stiles, but yeah. Um, yeah. We could talk to you about all day, and I haven't even mentioned yeah. the name Roy Wegley. So get with your bingo cards, my hero, <laughs> Roy Wegley, obviously at the beginning of the decade, coming soon to a pod- this podcast as well. Um, I'll leave final one to Joel, seeing he's not been around, because I can mention two things that people. Long-term listeners of the show will know that we can't not mention if we're talking QPR with Joel.
1: Just waiting for this, yeah.
0: <laughs> Firstly, your favourite goal of the nineties, uh,
1: Trevor Sinclair, the bicycle kick yeah. uh, against Barnsley. Of course, yeah, uh, it is my favourite goal because he absolutely meant it. Yeah, and, you know, like the Rooney one that we've seen. We're just recording this after the Manchester derby, and the Rooney bicycle kick got played, played, played again. And but, but Trevor Sinclair absolutely meant that. And I, I just love it. Oh, totally.
2: It. Ash, Ash, were you, Ash, sorry, were you at, um, Were you at that game? Yes, I was, yeah. So, so that's the one game where I've got, I was at that game as well. And, and he'd, so a bit of context to, to uh, prove your point, Joel. We played Ipswich, first game of the season, and it was nil nil. But there was a corner, and Sinclair was on the edge of the box, and, and Sinclair tried to do the same <laughs> thing from a corner <laughs> and, and, and connected and was really hard. I was like, wow. But that goal, we, you know, we'd gone in the lead. I think we were 2-0 we were no up maybe and then and Andy Impey decided to knock someone out. And then... Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was going to ask you two about that, but yeah, go on. Yeah, finish the story MP, I want to come MP, back to MP,
2: Andy Impey. Impey smashed someone and we got oh God. And and this was a team, Barnsley went up that season actually as well. Um, And they had John Hendry. You remember John? You'll remember John, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, or a John hero. Hendry,
2: so John Hendry then scores a goal and it's getting very, it's getting very tense. We needed that goal. And... The cross comes in, and that's the thing I always point out with the goal is, look where the cross comes from. The yeah. cross comes from behind him. The cross comes from nearly the halfway line, but the goal goes in. I don't know if you remember this, Ash, because I remember it so well. The whole crowd went quiet for yeah. about three seconds. Everyone just went. <laughs> and then <Yeah>. poof, like <laughs> an explosion of people it
0: was insane it yeah. was unbelievable i always remember my dad just grabbed me on the shoulder like he's probably never grabbed me before in sheer like shock <laughs> like did i just see what i saw and then <sighs> obviously there's no big screens in those days. the water still isn't at Loftus <laughs> to yeah like,
2: and we crazy. never won an fa cup go- game again <laughs> yeah pretty, <laughs> much, pretty
0: <laughs> much mark what were you going to say about andy mb and
3: He's a, he's a player I failed to mention earlier, but he's, he's synonymous with me with QPR in, in, the, in the 90s. And I did remember him laying
0: a, a fist on someone. Was it, so I didn't I, I
3: remember if it was in that game or not, but clearly
0: yeah. it was. Yeah, it was. He was in that game. Um, somebody who quite well known as being such a nice, placid guy. Not much of a neck is I always think about Andy MP as well. <laughs> I was thinking, uh, yeah. say
2: him and Devon White, we had a couple yeah. of players who just had no necks, <laughs> had no necks,
0: but yeah, for some, I can't remember the reason, and I'm sure Andy's probably talked about it, but yeah, he decided to turn into Mike Tyson for that split second and, and get, get himself sent off, which was yeah, just the story for a QP for a random FA Cup fourth round. I think it was a replay, wasn't it? In the end, there was quite a lot of stories that, that came out of that. Um, we've gone on about QPR far too much as I thought we would, but Joel, you know, what I'm going to say before we move on. Keep How's was it, <laughs> it, Middlesbrough- <laughs> yeah. it, Shed Seven? Keep your eyes. was it, Shed Seven? Middlesbrough,
1: Neil, 1998. Yeah. How was it, Shed Seven? Which I love. I went right to see like Shed Seven it. that night. You nine were- goals yeah. in a week, thanks to uh, ninth choice keeper Andy Dibble. Yeah, five against QPR on the Tuesday and four against our promotion rivals Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Um, on the sorry, four against Forest on the Sunday. So yeah, nine in a week. Andy Dibble in a quarter of our goals that season. <laughs> Two. <games.
0: laughs> A Mark Kennedy masterclass is always, or I remember But well, we one. got promoted, that so... I know, small, you know, small mercies for us that season. That was our, that was our dip. Um, our rivals then, we can talk about, um, some people might not say they're rivals, but they are traditionally Queen's Park Rangers rivals and uh, we're talking top flight in the 90s. Chelsea, Mark, when I look at Chelsea and their placings in the 90s, it really, until we get to, you know, Hullet, Hoddle, Viali onwards, they really were a non... Chelsea fans are going to hate me now, but nondescript is probably too, but they, they really just bobbed along, didn't they? They were just a mid table fashionable in terms of where they were in London, but they didn't really do anything until late nineties.
3: Correct. They, they, they'd yo-yoed in the eighties. I think they were promoted in 90 to the first division and yeah, they just kind of bobbed along. Um, what's really interesting is like their tendencies, for example, um, Them getting eight thousand league against Coventry, a week before the Cup
0: Final in ninety four. Mm. So it was a, a. Do you remember Stanford? The old Stanford Bridge? With the, yeah, with the you could car you could see cars on the running track and things like that, can you? <laughs> yeah, disabled
3: disabled cars were on the running track, sand sand like blowing into people's eyes, uh, open ends. It was an awful <laughs> abomination of a ground. And by the end of the decade, they'd turned into this. I mean, this is pre Roman. Um, yeah. They'd turned into this. Champions League team in a new stadium um, with, I think, the first English football's first foreign 11. So, yeah. an incredible uh, change for Chelsea.
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, James, I'm re- we talked about Klinsmann earlier, didn't we? But Rud was another one of those because Chelsea had gone from being that side that had Mick Harford and Gordon Jury, you know, good pros. Like, but yeah. suddenly mm. there was Glenn Hoddle, there was Rud then there was Roberto Di Matteo, eventually Zola and Gus Poirier. They really like the culture of the king's road really changed in in those two sort of ends of the decade didn't they
2: yeah massively it was, it's amazing to see that uh how much of a change there was because i remember they had they'd really short strikers so they had like peacock and john spencer and it, mark steen yeah, yeah. and so I, it was a re, you know it was a record or whatever that they had this, the shortest strikers uh, like ever um yeah but they had they had wobbles they had struggles that you know I think they that, uh, if I'm right 93 94 I think they were right down the bottom really struggling and maybe I think it might have been Mark Steen who kept them up or maybe I'm getting confused with Sheffield United I don't know might be wrong there um but they did struggle um but it was it was I think yes it was yes it was rude Hullick coming in but it's the man that brought in that player I think it was Glenn Hoddle uh, yeah. you know him going to that club playing himself as a sweeper and and, and if you think of Wenger and his influences you know it's the same for Glenn Huddle. Glenn Huddle's influences came from his time moving to, to Monaco and then he went to, to Swindon Town and played sweeper for them was 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 uh, huge in getting them up and then moved to to Chelsea and then started to look to do the same things and found a player in Rude Hullett who was able to play that that similar position that that he wanted to play because you know Michael Jubri couldn't <laughs> couldn't <laughs> ping the ball the same way. <laughs> um, so bringing those players and I guess one leads to you know one leads to another one and you know Zola uh, also huge for them I think in 97 I think he was just unstoppable. jean uh, yeah. Zola I think we we'll probably all remember the England game when they beat us 2-0 uh, yeah. was it at home and and he Durably, was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he was just too much, wasn't he? He was he was far too much. And so those kind of movements into these glamorous players, that was that felt like the starting point um for me. And I think it does come from, from Glenn Hoddle at the start, who who had no association with Chelsea at all, did he, until then?
1: No, no. It if you mention um Glenn Hoddle at Swindon and moving to Chelsea, that documentary that Channel 4 made about that yeah. promotion season and then Hoddle moving to Chelsea is available on YouTube. And it's a very interesting watch in that you can see how, um, in that how clubs were offer- operating them at the beginning of the Premier League era, what happened when other people were coming in for people, just, and just the complete difference. I mean, it will be nearly 30 years old now, but just the way it illustrates the changes that have made in the game. And it's worth a, a watch on YouTube, I think.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. Joel, you, had, you felt the wrath of the latter Chelsea, didn't you? Sorry to bring it up, but it's, you know, the two cup final wins for them <laughs> at the back end of the decade. And we've talked about it ad nauseum on this show. People but,
1: forget, well, people forget the other, I mean, obviously the FA Cup final. Uh, well, you know, we said this and we, we talked about this with uh, quite a lot of people, really. But in 1989, we sent Chelsea down and there, there was a riot that I think is still going on now. Uh, but then they didn't half make up for it in the rest of the uh, 1990s in beating us in... They came to the Riverside for the first game and we beat them 2-0, Hullett's first game, I think. And then um, but it was our first game at the ground, so there's only ever going to be one winner there. Um, and then, um, yeah, then the FA Cup final, 42 seconds. Mateo, we all know that. Who gave the ball away, Ash? Giannino? Uh, uh, Giannino gave the ball yep. away, yes. Oh, oh. Um, and then, but the, the one the year after was this was the stranger I, one. The, I forgot the that until this
0: morning. I literally yeah, forgot. the League
1: Cup final where they beat us two 0 and we but we yeah. were in that game. We were top of the you know first division championship as was then, and we were really flying with Merson and uh, Beck was playing well. Another QPR favourite.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just both shake our heads in unison. But
1: yeah. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, so, yeah, we've, we've, Chelsea have always been our bet noir, shall we say, especially that sort of last four years of the 1990s. They were always battering us on telly 4-0 or, you know, we were always getting a good tonk in there.
0: We'll leave it to you, Mark, then. What do you think Chelsea's highlight would be? It'd be those cup wins, possibly, or just the, the, the signing of Hoddle to be that catalyst for the next stage?
3: I think, uh, while I, g- I get the huddle thing and I get the Hullet thing. The, the real star, the man with star quality, the one that really imprinted himself on Stamford Bridge was Zola. Yeah, I think the, the, the signing of Zola really reverberated around English football. Mm. Um, and he did it and he consistently did it. Well, you know, Hullet plays a bit and then he managed. And, you know, he got in a row about playing himself. Vialli played and then managed. Zola was the kind of constant Um and I think if you ask Chelsea fans, Zola is, is the is the is the fondest memory from the nineties. Yeah, so I'll go with Zola. Good call. Didn't have got Player of the Year. <laughs> Didn't sign until November.
0: I know. Yeah, Janini. Yeah,
1: another player who was just playing all year. Zola <laughs> gets Player of the Year. <laughs>
0: well, we call him the the president of the Janini fan Club. It then. still hurts. It still hurts. Right, we've got two more teams to get through, and and so that's trying uh, not to do the disservice to to West Ham and Wimbledon. Um. Two teams that, again, didn't really, you know, that obviously didn't win anything. They were never top London club. But I think Wimbledon, Mark, in particular, you know, we're still talking crazy gang era. We're still talking those matches where they would upset the big boys, the Vinnie Jones, the jo- Justin Fashion, uh, John Fashion, who, sorry, and then you talk, you know, later in the decade, you've got Robbie Earls and Marcus Gales. They were never a nice team to play, um, they were, you know, until the end of the decade when it started to go a bit wrong and then they were obviously relegated early on in the following. But no one likes playing against the crazy gang in the 90s, did they?
3: No. Um, but, controversial as it may be, I'm saying that they are the London team in the 90s. Wow. Because? Oh, what? <laughs> because <laughs> they consistently punched way above their weight. True. They were getting two or three thousand in the gate. I mean, I worked at Salles Park in the mid '90s, so I saw Wimbledon up close. Uh, what a shoestring, tiny little operation it was, and yeah, to consistently, wow. even to sustain the Premier League, um, that's what gives them my kind of vote as team, London team in the '90s, because they consistently, against all odds. Um, they made, and they, they, they were. They did carry over the crazy gang kind of moniker, and they were a bit horrible at times. <laughs> but let's not forget Robbie O probably the nicest man in football. Yeah. Um, uh, and and but uh, and, and they had morphed. They would become a little bit more sophisticated by the late nineties under Joe Kinnear, uh than people give them credit for. So just for sheer longevity and hanging on in there, um, massive kudos to Wimbledon.
0: Big shout there, James. Uh, do you echo at least some of those faults? I think you. I think Mark makes a good point there.
2: Yeah, I think look, football's about expectations a lot of the time, and hoping to exceed them. And and from you know, it's a really good point that you make, and it sounds like you've got a lot more knowledge on it than me. To, so I think that's that's completely fair in what in what you're saying. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, I think you make a a really good point. For me, with Wimbledon, yeah, I, I didn't see many games of them. I, you know, again, it was kind of uh, down to the the season reviews that I would watch, and those those clips were very bobbly pitches with the <laughs> ball with everyone looking up, and then John who... Elbowing someone and trying to get a flick on, and Dean Holdsworth trying to sort of get a goal for himself. um So those are my sort of general memories of Wimbledon, as uh, uh, you know, without trying to be too patronising. But I guess there's also that that game they beat Man United, didn't they? A little bit later down the road, um I think, and sort of bullied them. Marcus Gales was a good, good pro, really good pro. Robbie Earle as well. So they had. F-ed a, a, a Kuku right, did evolve it. fantastic player. Yeah, it yeah. did evolve it a little bit. Yeah. yeah.
0: Peter Fear, Match Magazine's favourite Peter Fear. I always remember he was always. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Lovely blonde
2: hair, yeah. Yeah. Lovely hair. Yeah,
0: Yeah. lovely lovely hair, Peter Fear. But no, I think you're right there, Mark. I think, you know, they did, you know, looking at their places. I mean, they finished in sixth at one point, 93, 94 season, sixth place for a team like Wimbledon, as you say, on the attendances, didn't have a ground. And it wasn't until, you know, as I say, the end of that era, and then Egil Olsen obviously came in in the next decade. That it kind of saw the end, which and, and then sort of very much the end of, of Wimbledon as a football club. Um, Joe, anything you want to just throw in before we move on to, to the uh, happy hammers? Uh We Wimbledon, I
1: just they always beat us one nil, or it was nil nil. Janinho got crocked in a nil nil against them. Nigel Pearson got got crocked in a one nil against them, which probably got us relegated really more than the three points and anything losing Pearson. Um, so yeah, that's just you know just. I remember the Wimbledon nil-nil in night, 90, you know, 95, 96 or ninety-six, ninety-seven being one of the most miserable games of football ever. But here we go again. But I remember it because I talked to Janinho about it <laughs> later. I met him in the streets, just walked in with like, you know, the, back in the days where you just see football players walking up and down the road in Middlesbrough and, you know, I saw Jan Fjord off quite a lot, used to see Robson quite a lot. And then yeah, Janinho was just um Outside the Purple Onion restaurant in Middlesbrough, so we went and had a chat with him, and then took a ball and had a little
0: kickabout with him, and then left. Wow. <laughs> it's the highlight of Joel's life. <laughs>
3: if you're gonna get, if you're gonna get crocked against a London team in the nineties, it's a fair bet it's gonna be Wimbledon. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. I remember
0: a game against Arsenal on a Super Sunday. I think Vinnie Jones got the winner, and this was like ninety-seven, ninety-eight-ish when they were the Wenger's Arsenal, and it just summed up. Wimbledon I don't want to say that's their highlight but that was kind of the highlight was just them as a team as you say like what they could do to a top team when they wanted to so yeah I I'm, mean
3: I'm, I'm only talking like pound for pound
0: yeah yeah totally no I will we'll, we'll give that to Wimbledon for sure they would never talk about like I'm much.
3: sure I'm sure Monsieur Wenger when he turned up would have, wouldn't have would have known what to make of Wimbledon very I'm sure they <laughs> uh, had
0: nightmares that's finished on West Ham then um When I was looking at this very much like, again, two different ends of the decade, you've got that sort of early 90s team, which were pretty much a a yo-yo team It came up, came down and then came up again, Um, sort of local players, very much English based. And then by the end of the decade, Harry Redknapp, and then you've got your De you've got your Mark riven up against the, the up and coming Joe Cole, Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand. I mean, Mark. What what did you what are your findings from your, the, the book you've written? What do you remember about that sort of the two sort of dichotomies of uh, the West Ham in in the nineties? Um, yeah, that's quite a good sum actually. Um,
3: they've they've always traded on the the name of the academy of football, and um, and they did bring through kind of lamps and Rio and Joe Cole Carrick all in the nineties in their youth teams, um, while at the same time interesting characters like Julian Dixon and yeah. Paolo De Canio arrived. <laughs> um, there were also a few funny signings from Harry. I, swear, I guess where, where Harry builds his reputation as hit or miss signings. Um, Marco Boogers, anyone?
0: <laughs> yeah, Marco yeah. Yeah. Wow, oh, gone, yeah.
3: Kind of went mad and found in a caravan in Holland. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Florin Radiceo.
1: Yeah, great. That was what I was going to say, yeah.
3: Great, well, cut. he would rather go. He'd rather go shopping in Harvey Nichols than go to a League Cup tie, um, Stockport. Yeah. I and have, to be fair, actually, given I've the just choice, read <laughs> our
1: friend Sid Lambert's new book, which is coming out very soon about nineties football, and he's got this story about Paolo Futre refusing to go on the pitch unless he got to wear the number ten and oh, the, ten? Out
3: the ground and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, yeah, that that that, that sounds plausible. Yeah, he was another poor signing.
0: There's Danny as well, who we mentioned on the, on the last show, who's probably the, you know, the best looking footballer of all time. And I think Redknapp said, I don't know if it's kick him or kiss him. <laughs> <laughs> his, his famous quote on Danny, who uh, he arrived and, and went quite quickly as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's so different from the Billy Bonds era, who obviously was at the beginning of the decade. When you think of players like you know Trevor Morley, Ian Bishop, Stuart Slater, who was yeah. in the next big thing. They had quite an eclectic mix of players throughout the decade, didn't they, uh, James?
2: Yeah, they did, and I think you think West Ham, you think Harry, and yeah, you think of the bizarre signings for sure, Uh, but team that played really good football as well, and I think you know for for a team that was, you know, not not the big big side, but you know, still had great history. I think that that team that had, Decanio and Lampard and Ian Wright and Ruddock, and it was a really very likable team. I think they finished fifth, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, that was a really good cracker team. Um, that's that's one of my kind of main thoughts is yeah, yeah the, the mix of the youngsters and then those uh, those characters of the yeah, imagine I don't know if Julian Dix was still playing at that point, but if Julian Dix and Ruddock were playing in the same team, that would have been pretty frightening. <laughs> we well, yeah. um
1: we went to Up Park one time. I've told this story a million times on here, but Gary Walsh was in goal for us, and he came out with his shorts on backwards and had <laughs> to take his shots off and change them. And then got uh, got a goal put, put past him after two minutes. So that's my overriding memory of uh, memory of Upton Park in the nineteen
0: ninety. Yeah. You, you say that, James, about Ruddock and Dix. I mean, we had Ruddock and Vinny Jones, didn't we, in that horrible yeah team? Which you
2: know, Ruddock was great though. Ruddock yeah. was on that loan spell. Ruddock was really good. But yeah, that was. I think we we went right. We haven't got much quality here. What can we do? Let's let's find some mean people and we <laughs> went we <laughs> got Riddick and the uh, yeah, so.
0: meanest impossible um mark would that fifth place be their highlight i think west ham is mean, the highest they've ever finished in the premier league fifth place yeah player.
3: probably and um that's, i think there was burkovich in that side yeah and de canio mm, yeah, yeah they, they built a really attractive in the, in the in the truest and best traditions of west ham they did they did build a, a very attractive side that finished fifth when did yeah. John Hartson boot Ayel Berkovich in the face? When was that?
0: That was late. That was in that period, yeah. That was uh, a yeah. season. Yeah. I think it was that, you know, that must have been the motivation to finish fifth place, you know. <laughs> whatever works. Whatever works for you. You know, apparently Charlie Austin and Jeff Cameron, they like, they like arguing about I
1: remember it. they bought, didn't they buy, um, they bought um, John Hartson and Paul, Paul, who, Kitt- uh, sorry? Yeah. Yeah. Paul Kitson yeah, from uh, yeah. Newcastle United on the same day and it was like, okay, they made a bit of I mean, a bit of business here. And I don't think Kitson was a roaring success particularly, but Hartson was there for a while,
0: wasn't I he? Think he must have played for on. the
1: most the most London clubs in the 1990s. If you want to go Luton, uh, well, not, you know, Luton, kind of.
0: You know, we don't count Luton for anything on this podcast.
1: Oh, well, I know. Well, Matthew isn't here, so let, we can't discuss Luton. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Luton fans. But right. Luton,
1: Arsenal, West Ham, Wimbledon, am I missing anybody?
0: Well, Clive Allen has the record, I think, isn't it? Doesn't Clive yeah, Allen play yeah. for most London clubs, I think? I'm not sure. Can't Palace, mean.
3: Arsenal, Spurs, QPR. West Ham, QPR. Yeah. There you got five.
0: Life. Yeah, he's done the rounds, Clive Allen. Yeah, it's still creeping into the 90s as well. Okay, let's finish on. We've each done a London 11. We're not going to delve deep and then argue. Who, that we're just going to say who we've picked. So the rule is in our 90s London 11, maximum two from each side. Obviously, there's 16 we've talked about, so... One, one team will only have one representative I guess I'm trying to say um, Joe as you're the outsider um, yeah go on t- take us through your lo- 90s London 11 I'll just go very very quickly yeah Um. didn't put Seaman in goal
1: yeah I didn't either I know you I either. thought would be the thing would be David yeah. Seaman in goal but I went Nigel Martin of Crystal Palace Football Club
0: who we haven't really mentioned on this which I appreciate yeah
1: yeah um, Julian Dix Gary Mabbott, Marcel Desailly yeah. Lee Dixon. David Ginola, Roberto Di Matteo, <laughs> just because just yeah. I'm into self-flagellation, <laughs> yeah, I like to totally. sort of hurt yeah. myself, uh, for a bit of bite, I put Vinnie Jones in, because obviously I was running out of issues there, <laughs> and people yeah. by then. Trevor Sinclair, then Ian Wright and Les Ferdinand, up Not front, it's right. it's by right. 11, yeah,
0: that's good. Goals galore with a bit of bite. Galore, yeah. I must say, we we probably should have mentioned more of Crystal Palace because we could have talked about Attilio Lombardo and Thomas Brolin and obviously Ian Wright at the beginning, Wright and Bright at ninety-one. So they probably should have been included before I get sort of on Twitter. But time is <laughs> of the essence, so we. Just, well, you will do uh, a
1: Crystal Palace special.
0: Yeah, we'll do. A t- we'll do. <laughs> I know Richard Foster's out there. Listening to us going, where's me Crystal Palace? But you, you got your mention there. Let's um, go, James. What have you? What have you created for your uh, London nineties
2: eleven? Come back to me because I did. I thought we were doing it together. I didn't realise we were doing it <laughs> Come back to me.
0: No worries, Mark. Go on, go for yours. Well, I've I've got a, I've added
3: an extra twist to mine where and I've picked eleven Londoners. Oh. oh
0: wow!
3: And I name uh, so the first one might be a surprise. Neil Sullivan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Played in golf for Scotland, but born in Sutton. Yeah. Right. Uh, Warren Barton, fullback. Nice. Our friend, Warren Barton. Some...
1: Hey? Or Warren Barton. Hey. You... Oh, Warren Barton's our friend because this is really bizarre. We talked about this, actually. No, because I was confused when you said that, too. The swap <laughs> shop thing. I happen to be sat up watching Noel Edmonds' multicoloured swap shop on YouTube, like a goon. And then one of the swaps came in from a Warren Barton, age 10 from London. And then we we tweeted Warren Barton and it turned out that it actually yeah. was yeah. him. <laughs> it
0: was him,
2: yeah. <laughs> Quite, so random. Random. Quite randomly. Right. Very <laughs>
1: strange. So anyway, sorry. You've
0: got Warren Barton. Who else in your back four, Mark? Uh, Steve Potts.
3: Nice. Um, right. so, and then I've gone, uh, there's a massive controversy. I'm not going to be welcome back at White Hart Lane for this but it's strictly 90s, right? I've got yeah. Sol
0: Campbell yeah. with enough. Tony Adams. Ooh, well, you know, this is 90s, so we're, you're, you're allowed to get away with that, I think. This is before yeah, I became fine.
3: Judas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then your midfield? Uh, the midfielder, Dennis Wise, Gavin Peacock uh, and a young Frank Lampard. Nice. And uh, lots of goals in this, uh, this threesome here. Les Ferdinand, Teddy Sheringham, Ian Wright. Nice. Oh, that but, ha- now, would have to be managed by... Uh, Harry. Of course, yeah. Oh, not Terry
0: Venables. I thought you were going to say Venables there. <laughs> no. no, it's got to be Harry. The, the original. Um, while James continues to scribble, I'll do I mine. I think I've got it.
2: I'm really upset, but I haven't got Wilkins in here, but I've I've been able to... Is this is like, like to... Countdown, you know, where they're going. I've done it, but I haven't written it down. <laughs> <Go on, laughs> I've stick, stick to the rules. So yeah. uh, I'd, like to thank, um, I'd like to thank Joel for this first one, Nigel Martin. I'm going to put in go. <laughs> it was someone else, but we were, we'll, we'll, we'll never speak his name. So Nigel Martin in goal. Yeah, he was unbelievable, wasn't he? I've got him, QPR fullbacks, Barsley and Wilson, centre backs, uh, Tony Adams and Gareth Southgate. Uh, that, I've got, I've got uh, yeah, cause, well, yeah, you're a nice like, six. He was in the England yeah, squad. Yeah, huh? stick him in there. Uh, he midfield. In midfield, didn't he, at Palace? I was yeah. thinking about this yesterday. Yeah.
1: Him and, and then him and Chris Coleman were the sort of centre back pair. Yeah, am mm. I yeah. Mis- remembering that. Uh, uh yeah, I should yeah, I could so, have, yeah. Could have
2: put Eric Young in as well. I used to love I used to love watching Eric Young.
1: <laughs>
2: Headband. Yeah. So midfield three, I'm gonna go with Hullitt, Gaza, and Genola. Nice. Which is, I'm very attacking, I know. I know. Yeah. And then I've just realized I'm missing one name. No, the Zola Burkamp, and I need one more. Who am I gonna go for? I do it for because I'm panicking. I'm gonna go Ian Wright at West Ham. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) there you
0: go. It's allowed. It's in the rules. It's definitely in the rules. I've done that on mine as well. So I've gone. I've also gone Neil Sullivan because I wanted a that was my Wimbledon player. Um, David Bardsley, my soft S I E, Sol Campbell, and Julian Dix as my back four. Nobody
1: put Seaman in goal.
2: Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Too many good Arsenal players.
0: Too many good Arsenal players. I did have him originally, Um, and then I've gone Mark Overmars as my other Arsenal. Nice. Um, Rud Hullit, Paul Gascoigne, who I seem to be the only one who's put in. um, and James, put him in. uh, Trevor Sinclair of West Ham, although, you know, Mm. we'll sing for QPR. And then up front, I've gone 4-4-2, Dennis Burkamp and Roy Wegley. Have that. Oh, yes. Roy what there.
1: a
3: pairing.
0: What a pair. Wouldn't be very poachy, kind of, you know, on the last man. It'd be very maverick front too. But, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun to watch. Oh, I'd hope Bennett Burkham wouldn't feel too overawed. It may, <laughs> he may do. He may do. Well, yeah. It, yeah. Those locks as well, you know, you, you can't deny the locks of Roy Wegley. What, and what
2: cycling shorts.
0: <laughs> and, yes, exactly. Well, exactly. Good stuff. Well, I think we've uh, I think we covered everything there. Probably not as much Crystal Palace as we should have done. I apologise, but you know, Attilio Lombardo, we, we we salute you, Ian Wright and Bright. Uh, thank you very much, Mark. Last plug for your book. Um, just again, what's it called, and where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, on Twitter?
3: Uh, find me uh, on Twitter at London's Fields. Uh, the book's called London's Fields: An Intimate History of London Football Fandom. Available via Pitch Publishing and all good outlets. Really good, lovely.
0: Uh, James where people can find you on the social your YouTube channel your football manager stream where is the best place for all that
2: yeah I guess if you search my name correctly, you've got half a chance so it's uh James Alcott A double if you search that on on YouTube or Twitch then uh, I should pop up good stuff Joe. we have to just be, followed yeah. you on both straight away there thank you, you Sid, it works Work. it works
0: it's power, power. Joe. where are you these days on your social I'm back you're back <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah, it's just
1: my, my my last place of work. Just had to simply give them lots of money, and I'm allowed a Twitter account again. Um, if false tweets all one word, it's Joel.
0: Brilliant, and you can follow me at Ashrays UK. or more importantly, follow the show at AK90s. Do a London 11 of your own. We'll always like seeing 11. Hit us up on Twitter. Thank you very much for joining us. We've been alive and kicking until next time. Keep it 90s. I love-